You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. Got another special guest. She is a musician, an artist, a songwriter, composer, and a producer. I would like to welcome Landon, aka Matriarch, to the show. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Zuby. You are very welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Got a little bit of a cold, but hanging in there. <laughs> You'll be back soon. You'll be all right. Yep. I had my annual cold at the beginning of December. Yeah, it wasn't much fun, but um, for me, it's like an annual thing. That's good. That's good. I think mindset contributes a lot to that because I, I've been like trying to tell myself, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Anytime I start feeling like I'm going to get sick, I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's worked so far, so I'm going to get through this pretty quickly. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm, I'm a singer songwriter. I've been doing this, uh, professionally since I was 17. Um, I started out in Dallas, Texas and, mm -hmm. um, I, I just kind of worked my way songwriting and interning with producers and had an opportunity to just come to LA and learn under a producer here. Uh, so I packed my stuff up and moved out here when I was 18. I didn't really know anybody, um, you know, worked those connections a little bit and was able to learn a lot, you know, just kind of bounced around in different capacities um, as a songwriter. So I was writing for Disney artists at some points. I was scoring for film and television, working with other artists. So it was just, I had, you know, a lot of uh, experience in, on the inner workings of the industry. As an artist myself, and I, I've been fortunate to have my own successes charting on Billboard and touring the world as a national act. But, awesome. you know, I think that it's interesting my my personality and and viewpoint and uh, artistry don't really aren't really in alignment with what mainstream music pushes and advocates and expects from you to to deliver um, and to perform in it within a certain context. It's kind of an unspoken thing, but you understand is not you know being willing to do certain things uh, in the industry. You know is is kind of why I I don't know was I don't want to say like expelled from it, but you know, you get written off pretty quickly. You know what I mean? That's interesting to hear from someone who is um, specifically in LA, because I'm obviously, I'm here based in the UK, but you know, you hear stuff about the mainstream music industry, you hear stuff about Hollywood, all that. And mm -hmm. I've never, I've never even been to the West Coast, funnily enough. So, oh, no, you have to come visit. 
Okay, I'll take that in. For, I'll take that as an invitation. Absolutely. Okay. I, I just so you know, I do follow up on such invitations. Like sometimes, sometimes people say like, yeah, you know, if it, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to come. Yeah. <laughs> no. And you know what? I don't offer unless I mean it. So that, that works perfectly for me. Awesome. So expanding a little bit on, on what you were just saying there, can you give us a, a little bit more detail? I mean, you said you were almost like expelled from the industry in your words, or that you weren't yeah. doing things people expected. You weren't acting in a right. certain way or maybe making your music in a certain way. Can you expand on that a little more? Sure. I mean, it's been an ongoing struggle uh, since I was 16 to maintain my integrity and be amenable and flexible as an artist, you know, you especially being young um, and naive, which I was very young and naive. I wanted to, uh, you know, please whoever I was working with at the time I was with, signed with Epic Records. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was just one thing after the other, which I started learning more about how the industry worked and other artists that I knew. So, for instance, you know, there's another uh, very successful pop person that I was hanging out with at the time. And um, I found out certain things that they were doing that almost, you know, immediately I saw the remuneration in their career take mm -hmm. off. And um, it's something that I was never willing to do. And I would be put in those situations where it was, it was very blunt, actually. It was like, all right, you know, next, like you can leave now. Yeah. And, and so I would, you know, but I always had this, the naive attitude kind of served me because I was like, oh, no sweat off my back. All right. These people aren't, aren't my door. You know, I'm just going to keep going to the next people. Yeah. And I think being in the industry 10 years, I finally started to realize, okay, you know what? There's not that many good people here. There's not a, a place for me having integrity, uh, being an artist. And I wouldn't say like I was, I was difficult to work with um, as far as pushing myself, you know, artistically. I was very open to embracing different styles, diff working with different producers. But I definitely was somebody who was unwilling, you know, to take off my clothes, to really use sexuality to further myself. And that definitely... I saw the, the effect of that on my career. So I had to be creative and I kept pushing and finding other ways to survive. And um, ultimately, I don't know if it's age or just some of the life experiences that I've had that, have, that are pretty significant, um, just put me in a place where I was like, you know, ultimately my happiness isn't going to be external. It's, yeah. it's going to come within and I need to do whatever I need to do to find my authentic self. And to uh, ultimately just serve that interest. Pleasing other people was just so, it was just a horrible existence. And it, I could never seem to do it in, a, in the same, you know, camp as other women or girls th that are willing to cross certain lines. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when I talk about it, it's, I, I'm sure there's, there's some, you know, really great artists that have managed to get to where they are. And, and persevere. And, and I'll be one of them too, that continues. But for the most part, from my personal experiences um, in the industry, I, I and, and, and as we're seeing with this, the Me Too movement coming out is it's very prevalent. And um, I think there's unspoken rules that people who are in the industry, at least here um, in the West Coast are, are aware of or, or the US. So that yeah, it's, it's interesting because you're trying to survive in an industry, but you have to pave your own way and you have to stay true to yourself at the same time. Sure. It's really interesting for me to hear, you know, firsthand for like a really long time, you know, for over a decade, I've been like, Hollywood is shady. You know, this is shady. This is shady. You know, there have been enough warning signs and enough smoke and enough rumors. And I'm like, there's something, there's stuff going on there that people are not talking about or that isn't being exposed. You know, some of it fortunately has been coming to light and still is over mm -hmm. the last couple of months, over the last couple of years. And, you know, you mentioned the Me Too movement. And for whatever reason, I maybe just because I'm a fairly outspoken individual, a lot of people ask me, oh, you know, like what are your what are your thoughts on the whole Me Too thing? To me, it seems like it's been very much a a double edged sword in a way. Like I think sure. I think the initial like my initial understanding of it was like, yeah, this is good. This is, you know, supposed to expose predators, expose wrongdoing, exposing mm -hmm. all kinds of misbehavior and criminality. 
in some weird way, it kind of, like a lot of things do, it seems like it got a little bit hijacked and expanded to just like a little bit of a witch hunt. It's like it kind of got out of hand. It lost the focus of what was very much initially something that was necessary Mm -hmm. and positive, like regardless of who you are, like most people do not want any kind of crime or sexual exploitation or any of that you know i think there seems to be this weird idea and this has also been part of the narrative that i i've noticed is like some people want to be painting this picture or framing it as if a huge number of men are like complicit in it or approve of it or something like that and it's like right oh do you know it's like it's like oh yeah absolutely not you know like absolutely not it's just that it's hard to talk about certain things with any kind of nuance i'm on your side here (laughs) most people are on this side it's just some people are saying like okay like this needs to be stopped these actions need to be ceased but in the process we can't just like drop a gigantic bomb on the entire male population and just hope hope, take take out the take out the bad guys but take out 10 good guys with each one of them you you kind of know what i mean you know why i think that happens is i think that you know, when, when something bad happens, we're so quick to um, attach this narrative, you know, and you, en- you enter into this archetypal situation where you have the victim. And if you have a victim, you have to have an oppressor. With this stuff, and this is something that I try to be careful of and, and want to, to convey um, with nuance my experience. And that's why I love long form conversation, because you can't put this in a tweet. I want to bring attention to the fact that this does happen in this industry, but I'm not a victim. I don't attach myself to any cause, including the Me Too movement, because of those associations and, and, and kind of hijacking people's personal individual situations that have happened to them and using it to promote ideas like toxic masculinity, which I think is a bunch of bull. Um, <laughs> Thank <you>. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, absolutely. And, and I, I, so that's why I find it really harmful is, is the victimhood. Automatically, when you come out with a story like this or with a personal situation, it's like people are like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I can't believe it. It's those, it's those men. It's this. It's, you know, it, mm-hmm. I've seen it happen to boys. You know, I, I've sure. seen it happen to young boys. And, and I know young guys that in the industry that this happened to as well. It's happening to everybody. And we have to look at each other as individuals and really listen to the story and, and what we can learn from it instead of attaching a narrative to it and like who 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 can we blame? You know, yeah. it's it's how it's maybe I'm what I'm trying to say is like how what can we do to support artists that decide not to take that path? Because yeah. ultimately that is the that is the solution. If these girls and and boys felt there was a different way, they mm-hmm. would say no. They wouldn't so, feel so compromised inside. So is it? I mean, you are someone who is in LA and in the industry. I mean, is it? Mm-hmm. Is it so permeated? Is it so widespread that it's like it's unavoidable? There aren't even other options in terms of, I don't know, labels or producers or whatever the case might be. Just like how far, how deeply rooted is the problem? It's pretty deeply rooted. Um, From my perspective, I'm going to tell you, I have met very few people in the industry that I would say had integrity, really. Mm truly had integrity. And that's sad. And I wish that weren't the case. And, and I'm, I know they're out there yeah. and I know they're doing their own thing or they're kind of, you know, on the down low doing their own thing. I know, I know there's some very successful ones that they really don't even, they're not even on social media, which yeah. it makes it hard for people like them and myself to connect, which those connections need to happen so we can strengthen that other, other side of um, art. Yeah. Um, you know, art is such a powerful medium. Uh, what we do is so important you know, to culture shift. And when we're just promoting art and, and rappers that, you know, promote violence and yeah. um, unconsciousness, we're just creating more unconsciousness. I wish there was a way. And I think what we're doing is, is a great step in that direction of, of telling people, hey, we're here, you know, um, yeah, yeah. there's, you know, come find us, support us. And when we do that, we, we're giving, you know, unconsciously giving other artists permission. And we're also embodying you know, we're, we're doing it, we're making our art and we're not compromising our, our values and our integrity and, or changing our viewpoints. Yeah. So why do you think in entertainment specifically, mm-hmm. it seems to be such a problem compared to in other industries, say, I mean, there's lots of industries which are 
bigger than entertainment, bigger than music, bigger than, mm-hmm. you know, probably bigger than Hollywood even. Mm-hmm. But these specific problems, this kind of exploitation, essentially, it mm-hmm. does seem somewhat unique to the entertainment world. Do you think there's a particular reason for that? And it seems like it's gone on for a really long time. Like I said, it's coming to light now, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's been going on for decades. Yeah, well, I think that the power that the media has over um, human beings far outweighs any other corporate interest. And uh, the power of influence of, of major artists and the message um, in their art, you know, whether it be uh, their you know, actor or whatever shows the kids are watching, um, the influence is so powerful. And also, like, I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to neuroscience and how the brain works. But when we digest that, you know, when we're listening to music and we're listening to uh, watching TV, we're going mm-hmm. into um, a, a brainwave state that is like it's uh, trance analytical mind is shut off and we're not really taking everything going, oh, okay, I wouldn't actually hit a girl. I wouldn't actually do that. It just is going in the brain as this is happening. This is normal. So especially these young developing brains, they get desensitized to what is normal and what's appropriate and what, you know, what's not. Sure. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is there's this, the sense of morality and what's normal is completely hijacked. It's Mm -hmm. just not there. And that that's their sense of reality is what's projected uh, from from media. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is the attainment for power and um, influence. You know, it's it's, it's a drug. Um, it's very it, it's very encompassing to people, and it's promoting us. The biggest thing is promoting a sense of purpose, meaning, and um, identity outside ourselves. Mm. You know, wanting to be, you know, on Instagram or wanting to be a real uh, celebrity or a singer or whatever. It's the message is that I want to make art. I want to be a rapper. I want to be a singer. I want to. It's not I want to create. I want to be somebody. I want to be noticed. Yeah. And and that's an end to just misery because we we cannot be happy with external things. Mm -hmm. And I guess almost to answer my exact question on that, I guess that desire for fame mm-hmm. almost at all costs i guess that leaves yes. people particularly who are seeking that route mm-hmm. who i'd argue i mean creative people i think are you know creative people tend to be a bit easier to manipulate perhaps mm-hmm. than people in the world of i don't know science or engineering say you know what i yeah. mean I think yeah. the person the personality type is more easy to do that and then yeah i guess you got the drive for fame yeah. riches, success mm-hmm. and all that. And then the people who are in those positions of power can, mm-hmm. if if they're a bad actor, they mm-hmm. can use that for their own nefarious means. So it's complicated. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes how this thing can be, what the right action to take to deal with something like this is. It's really funny with me because I'm someone who, um, like I oppose a lot of ideas of what is considered modern feminism. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I've got certain people who attack me for it or call me certain things for it because you know I'm not woke enough or whatever, and I'm just like, no, like lots of these ideas are BS, and not only are they BS, I think they distract from the real issues. So, if you're giving me like a real example, you know, if someone just wants to run around and scream about men being bad and the patriarchy mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm kind of like mm-hmm. or toxic masculinity, I just switch off. I'm just like, yeah, it's like chasing ghosts. Okay. But yeah. if someone if someone is like, okay, this is a specific mm-hmm. problem where we found there is actual sexism or discrimination or mm-hmm. assault or abuse or anything like sure. that, I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, don't need, I don't need to label myself or anything for that. I'm just like, yeah. yeah, if we can point to a specific situation, I'm happy to look at that. And I mean, being someone as well who's in music is, it also gets complicated because Again, people don't talk about specifics. So I've spoken to and also, you know, been on panels or at conferences and stuff where, I don't know, women who are involved in the music industry, whether they're artists or elsewhere, are involved in it. And oftentimes they'll talk about challenges, they'll talk about sexism, they'll talk about whatever. But I mean, I guess maybe the fear is so great that they don't want to be specific. But it's like when it's so general, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's actually kind of hard for. Mm-hmm everybody to take seriously including including myself because if people mm-hmm. are just gonna if people are just gonna generalize 
and mm-hmm. just say, oh, there's tons of sexism in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And from my personal view, okay, maybe I haven't experienced it or I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it or witnessed it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like, okay, where, what, like, you know what right. I mean? Like, I'm, like, I can't do anything. Like no one can really right. do anything unless we know what's really going down. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's interesting because people, you know, have different solutions, how to combat problems. And, you know, um, I'm not a big sports person, but I get the analogy of defense and offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I feel like, for instance, if I had, I have a situation or two, you know, examples of, of things happening and, you know, what, what do, when I come out and I say the person's name, right. Who, who did it or said it or things I've witnessed with other people, not only do I now introduce myself to the world as a victim, I'm not being seen as an artist. I'm not being seen for everything that I stand for. I'm, I'm being seen as somebody who is, is now a victim and okay. attached, attached to a Me Too movement, attached to anti-masculinity, uh, no matter what I say or do, no matter how I spin it. Luckily for me in my situation, I, I believe karma has come to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not somebody who's very vengeful. Um, and I, I just don't see this person has been held accountable in some aspects. So I don't feel like they're in a position to hurt people. Sure. Um, from, from my specific situation and from the other situations, they've kind of played out for us all to see as well. Um, but again, it's just, I, I don't see the, the positive, the positives for me personally in coming out and saying this person did this to me. Um, I, I don't see it ending positively for me. Uh, and, and I see it giving more attention to that person or me getting attached to a movement I don't want to be attached with. So I'd rather take, you know, the situation of, of what I've learned from it, um, and use it to empower me and to let people know that they don't have to make, uh, any sacrifices, you know, so just me continuing to do what I do, hopefully sends that message. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your, your music itself. So your artist name, first of all, where did, um, how was that conceived? Where did that come from? My first band, um, when I was touring under just the name Landon, um, one of my, my bandmates, uh, started calling me that. And, and okay. I just thought it was funny. I'm like, why do you call me this? And he's like, cause you're like, <laughs> you're like this, this maternal, like mama bear to, to everybody. Like you, you know, you care about children and you care about everybody around you and including yourself. Like they, they were speaking about me who I, I don't have a strong maternal connection, um, with, with anybody. So I had to be that for myself. And, um, so I think I kind of embraced it at a point in my life where I was really lost my identity and I, I, I'd struggled with depression my entire life. Okay. And, um, for me, something resonated when I saw that somebody else saw that value in me and saw me as, as matriarchal, um, mm. and, and, in a loving, uh, maternal way, not in a feminist controlling <laughs> way, <laughs> not in like a monarchy sense. Yeah, um, yeah. but, but, the, and that's, that's really something that I just, um, embrace in a positive light is just, you know, one thing that I'm very passionate about is children um, and the defenseless, you know, so anybody that is mentally handicapped or uh, that is a child of, of a child mindset is somebody that I want to protect because I don't feel, I feel like society is focusing on other, other things that are quite frankly, not as important when we have children being trafficked over our border right now yeah. um, and children all over the world that are starving and in war zones. And, and I think that, I think I, there's something I said on Twitter is, um, you know, how we, how we defend the defenseless defines us. So that's something I'm passionate about. That's some good alliteration there as well. You can, that that could, that could be a song right there, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, what you said there just sort of sparked something in my brain, which, uh, I'm sure I've, I've commented on before. I think I made a whole YouTube video about it last year was to me personally, like if I think of it deeply, one of the biggest problems with the whole permanently outraged culture that we seem to be living in in the Western world right now for whatever reason, be it social, be it political, be it cultural. The biggest problem to me, besides it just being annoying, Mm -hmm. is that everybody only has so much outrage Mm -hmm. and so much attention. And there's only so many hours in the day that you can dedicate to stuff. So every day I might have like 10 minutes worth of outrage to dedicate to something. You know what I mean? 
if I'm looking at the news or I'm looking at social media or whatever, and the biggest story in the world is, I don't know, some, some complete nonsense. Someone tweeted something about shampoo, okay? Mm-hmm. Biggest Twitter moment of the day. Someone tweeted something <laughs> saying shampoo is racist, okay? And that becomes the thing. Or, oh, some girl culturally appropriated with her Halloween costume or whatever. And this is the thing that, this is the thing that everyone's energy mm-hmm. and time and whatnot is going to. Sometimes I wonder if it's uh, like if I put my tinfoil conspiracy theorist hat on. Sometimes I'm like, is this on purpose? Are yes. people are they literally <laughs> just trying to completely distract everybody from yeah. the real stuff that is going on in the world? Like, there's plenty of stuff to legitimately be outraged by. Certainly in our own local areas, in our own mm-hmm. countries, let mm-hmm. alone in the globe. I mean, if you look at what is going on on a worldwide basis, there is plenty of stuff Mm -hmm. to like, I'm not the type to grab a sign and march in the street, but if people want to grab a sign and march in the street or lobby or create a petition, there Mm -hmm. are so many real problems that people could be campaigning for. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's weird. It kind of drives me nuts because I like to assume that people's intentions are good. So these people who do like consider themselves more activist types and who do like to get involved in causes and all that they generally mean well i do think there's some bad actors there as well but i think they generally mean well mm-hmm. but in terms of what they're actually pushing for or pushing against sometimes it's just so petty mm-hmm. or sometimes sometimes they don't even know you know sometimes I... it's like they don't even know i don't know the like those women's marches that they do in the u.s and mm-hmm. i don't even know to this day i still don't know what they want like i don't actually know what that march i don't know what the intention is I, is there a law that you're trying to get changed is there something specific or are it's i don't i don't i legitimately don't understand it it's maddening i if i understood it i wish i could explain it to you but i don't understand it myself i don't understand when you know there's real cases of fgm happening even in our own country our own backyard mm-hmm. and and the women that are coming here they're still oppressed still mm-hmm. you know sharia law is still being implemented here I, I don't understand the most vulnerable of our society. We're not talking about at the women's march. Mm. I don't understand that. So for me, it's just it doesn't resonate with me at all. I don't understand what you're marching for uh, a perceived idea of unequal wages. And we look at any economist worldwide that evaluates how our economy functions, and they're, they're not, there's no proof of that. No, you know, there's different deciding factors, and that's a whole other rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. um, for me to get out there and march for something, it, it has to be somebody who's not able to march for themselves, for their own voice, for their own rights. Yeah. Um, and and that's something that I'm passionate about is just anybody that is uh, suffering and, that can't literally use their voice um, yeah. and, and has had their freedom stripped from them. And Absolutely. the fact that that's happening here and people are just taking a blind eye to it and putting people like Linda Sarsour in charge is just really disheartening. And I just, I can't align with that at all. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me. Like sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm sure you feel the same as well. (laughs) Uh, Like sometimes I feel like I'm in some kind of (laughs) alternate reality. Yeah. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm in the matrix or everyone else is in the matrix and I'm outside of it. And I'm kind of like, wait, hang on. This doesn't, this doesn't make sense. That is hypocritical. That is deeply hypocritical. You'll you'll have someone in a tweet or literally online or literally live on TV denounce racism whilst simultaneously making a racist statement. And I'm just like, what? Like, like huh? Like, I remember um, there was one last year. I, I think it was something on CNN because it was one of those clips I saw on Twitter. And someone said something like, we need to we need to stop demonizing people. We need to stop looking at people and judging them by their race. And we all need to admit that white men are the biggest threat in America. <laughs> and my brain, my, my, my brain, like my brain, like did a reset. I was just like, wait, wait, wait. Like I, I rewound. I was like, did I hear that right? Like we need to stop demonizing. We need to stop demonizing people based on their color and accept that white men are the biggest threat in America. I was just yeah. like, wow. Like, I, just, I know. You know what's so funny? I was just like, huh? I, 
they're getting they're getting so brazen where they're like, you know what? There are some there, there's enough of us that are so dumbed down. This will skate right by. Let's try it. And they do. And then you and I and, and, and other people are going, what the <laughs> hell did I just hear? Am I being gaslighted out of my own brain? You know, and then you realize, oh, OK, most people are buying this stuff and they are. It's well, effective enough for them for us to be the, you know, the the fringe. Right. It's so strange. I, and I, it's, I wish it were rare, but it's like I, I see it a lot. And I'm just like, how can you be what you are claiming to fight against? How can you claim right. to be fighting for the equality of the sexes mm -hmm. whilst being deeply sexist <laughs> towards yes, other sex or same with race or right. anything else? And I'm just yes. kind of like, this is weird. And it's weird to me because it's new. This isn't something that's been going on my entire lifetime. Not at all. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, when I was in university, all these weird intersectional ideas, all this weird divisive identity politics, it was very rare. You know, you had like the occasional, mm -hmm. occasional mention, but lots of these concepts I'd never even heard until sort of four or five years ago. And it's like they've mm -hmm. just taken, taken a stranglehold among some people. Right. It's, it's like this new weird religion, literally. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a weird new religion theology. And I don't buy it at all. And no. I, I, re like, I really don't buy it. And it's funny how a lot of people expect me to buy it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if because I'm a black guy or whatever. So some people like just expect me to believe in certain things and to think that I'm oppressed and to. Which is, which is I, you know, racist. Yes, of <laughs> course. Expecting uh, you to think a certain way because you look a certain way is yeah. racist, people. Yeah. <laughs> or the whole, you know, last year, the entire treatment of Kanye West in the mainstream media and literally his message the message I was getting from him was one black people aren't a monolith and they can vote mm -hmm. and think in different ways and that's fine we mm -hmm. should all actually love each other and get on with each other and quit being so divisive yeah and a couple other bits yeah scattered with some occasional ramblings and yeah. you know that was like the overall message I got from him and I was like yeah okay fair enough like that's that's not controversial. And then it was like mm -hmm. the way people came at him. And again, mm -hmm. if you think of all this stuff, I mean, if you want to talk music, you want to talk hip hop, you want to talk rap. There are plenty of messages and themes in hip hop music that someone could rightfully be angry at or outraged by. But it's like, oh, no, those sure. just those are fine. Like you can talk about <laughs> selling, talk about selling all the crack you want. You can mm -hmm. talk about shooting all the N-words that you want. You can talk yeah. about doing to a woman, doing that to a woman. Right. And that's cool. It's totally no, fine. No yeah. one says anything. You can talk about taking this drug, selling that drug, drinking until you pass out. And then it's like Kanye, who for his entire career has mostly rapped about fairly conscious, positive stuff. Mm -hmm. He's now suddenly public enemy number one. We're going to boycott him on the radio. He's canceled. Yeah. DJs are stopping playing his music. And I'm just like, oh my gosh! Yeah, like, he, well, he went again that unspoken e ethos that so is within, you know, that permeates this industry. Yeah, you don't go out. You don't. It's like this tribal mentality within itself of I don't understand it. I really don't. Yeah, it's strange because it's very self-destructive. Mm -hmm. Right, it and is. It's it's very self-destructive. Like the the messages that are pushed out there. I mean, you know, you've got mm -hmm. you've got some big hip-hop artists who are somewhat positive and whatever which is cool mm -hmm. and that's good but it does seem like you generally i don't know about other genres i think hip-hop's quite specific in this regard but it's almost mm -hmm. like you can easily get rewarded for negativity and ignorance let's let's simply put absolutely. it absolutely yeah okay? if you're someone absolutely. who wants to raise the public consciousness and mm -hmm. be more inspirational in a positive way it's like right. yeah you might get you might get some support but you're more likely to blow up and be popping if mm -hmm. you're tatting up your face and sure. you've got a criminal record and yeah, you're absolutely. rapping about a certain thing you know what i mean and it's it's uh it's a it's a tricky one because i'm certainly not on the side of like all the bad things are from music and entertainment i'm like no that's mm -hmm. rubbish but then I'm also kind of like, hmm, there's there's some weird stuff going on here behind the scenes, which I I personally don't even understand because I'm not privy to it. 
there's enough patterns and trends yeah. that you can see over the years that it's like, okay, someone someone wants to be putting certain messages there into certain communities. You know what I mean? Right. I, it doesn't seem accidental at this yeah, point. Well, no, it's it's the whole identity politics that have been, you know, injected into the youth. Like it's like a vaccination against free thinking. And uh, the, the tribal mentality penetrated all form of, of media because ultimately the people that get to decide what gets pushed forward are, are going to choose artists that are in alignment and lockstep with that narrative. Mm. There's, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, couldn't name one, you know, superstar that besides Kanye, but he, you know, basically, con you know, he's conscious. Mm. I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, that, that, he, but he's also at a place where he, he can do whatever he wants yeah. because there are conscious rappers. They, they're not going to, or they haven't yet reached that level where they can, you know, cut that, cut those puppet strings from, from their, the per person who's been pushing them, yeah. you know, the, these conglomerates of power that, yeah. that are behind all media. It's not just like music, every media that, that kids are consuming, formulating these opinions about what reality is. That's a very powerful force. Hmm. So as an artist, especially, I guess, when you were a little bit younger, these forces and this pressure, was that coming explicitly or was it more like unspoken? So did you have people literally like trying to tell you to dress a certain way or oh, sure. to, oh, okay, to, to oh, make, yeah. okay, to make songs about X, Y, or Z or? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and it wouldn't be in the form of take your clothes off or you're not getting in the job. It'd be in the form of, you know, this is the outfit. These are the options for this photo shoot, you know, mm. and, you know, I come back and say, okay, where are the pants? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? You know, like, I thought this is about my music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Landon, it's totally about the music. But you know, this, we, you know, this is what uh, you know, you, you want to create a brand for yourself. This is what you have to do, you know, that kind of stuff. And I just would feel anytime I would cross any boundary from my own person, my own personal boundaries, I'd feel so dirty. I just felt like cheapened and, and I know my worth and my, and, and my gifts that I have. And that's not coming across when I feel cheapened yeah. um, or when I feel like I need to draw the attention of my sexuality to further myself, you know? Um, so that really destroyed my, my confidence. Anytime I felt you know, in, I was in those situations where I had to choose yeah. and that, and that is something I don't know. Cause I'm not a, a guy, you know, if they feel those same pressures, but I definitely see it a lot more. If you look at any videos, like, you know, the twerking, the, the basically naked in a bra performing on stage, mm -hmm. you know, in a G string, like Miley's last video, she's bent over wearing a thong in the video, you know, this stuff isn't part of the art or accidental. It's intentional. Yeah. Um, and it's something that is part of like, the contract, you know, you, mm. you do it or you don't do any of it. Yeah. It's a really weird one as well, because when I remember very specifically, like, especially in the nineties and early thousands, a lot of rappers in particular used to come under fire and face a lot of criticism for representing women a certain way in their videos. Right. So mm -hmm. doing the whole, you know, girls just running around half naked, shaking their butts, guys yeah. popping champagne on them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is that a lot of female artists' videos mm -hmm. are now just as bad, if not worse, in that regard, yeah. which is really interesting to me. And it's mm -hmm. also interesting how they frame it, because sometimes they'll say that this is, this is women's- Empowering. Yeah, this right. is empowering. Right. And I'm like, right, right. this is exactly what- you guys mm -hmm. were screaming about 10 years ago. Like yeah. li literally you were saying that, you know, whoever the artist is, Jay-Z, Nelly, 50 Cent, whatever, you're saying they're disrespecting women by right. having them in these outfits, doing these certain things in their videos. And right. then I'll watch a, I don't know, I'll watch a Nicki Minaj video or a Cardi B video or whatever. And they're rapping the same. They're using the same words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That again, you were criticizing the guys for. And then you've also got naked women shaking your butts or whatever, which is mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm like, if that's what you want to do, exactly. and, and, fair enough. Yeah, and, but I'm just kind of yeah, like, totally. well, what's the, what's the standard here? Like it's, it's confusing yeah. me. 
Yeah. For, I mean, for me personally, because I, again, I'm an artist, you know, if you watch some of my old videos and stuff, I'm not a Christian artist. Like that's, I'm, I will use art to tell a story and some of it will sure. be dark and some of it will be, you know, maybe offend people. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what people's, you know, gauge of what's appropriate is, but one, one thing that's important to me and where I draw the line is where, where if my sexuality is what the focus is, then it's, it's not my music. Yeah. So sexuality isn't a bad thing. There's, you know, it's not a bad thing and it's, there's nothing wrong with a woman feeling empowered by her sexuality or, or, you know, feeling feminine or celebrating her body or any of that. But yeah. when it becomes about that, it, it's like this idea, you know, this disconnect that we, we experience when somebody's saying, don't objectify me, I will objectify myself. And yeah. you're going, okay, I'm so confused. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> you know? really confusing. And I mean, I think there's a lot of things where there's just like a male-female disconnect, mm -hmm. um, which is not surprising given that mm -hmm. it's not like I've ever been a female for a single day in my life and I never will be. Mm -hmm. So I can't completely, and I can do my best to empathize, but mm -hmm. I can't do it completely. But also on the flip side, I mean, there's a lot of talk about men trying to empathize with women and how men should empathize more and try to put themselves in the situation of women better and whatnot. And I, I actually agree with quite a lot of that. I think that's something we should all try to do in general. But I, there's very little talk the other way around. So with me, it mm -hmm. seems like the conversation often gets very one-dimensional, okay? Mm -hmm. Because it's uh, sure. a man will start saying something and it's like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to wear. Don't tell mm -hmm. me what to say. Don't mansplain mm -hmm. to me. You, you, right, you, right, right. You know, I was told the other, you know, a couple weeks ago, I said something about makeup mm -hmm. and I was told that I'm not even allowed to have an opinion on mm. makeup. And I was like, really? That's interesting. <laughs> so I, I, by virtue of being, I can't even express my opinion. My opinion is completely invalid. I wasn't even saying anything bad, by the way. And I'm just like, how is society supposed to function properly? If, right. Like that doesn't even make sense, right? If there's something right. that men do or men are doing mm -hmm. and a woman comments on it and I jump in there and say, how dare you even, you, you're not, you're, you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're right. a woman, right? I'm yeah. pretty sure I'd get called something for that. It doesn't make sense. Like you can't have so many weird, arbitrary rules and double, triple, quadruple standards. if You're well, actually trying to make the whole situation better. Well, this is why identity politics are so effective. They shut down communication. They shut down nuance. They shut down question. So if you said something I didn't like, I wouldn't be able to say, so why do you feel that way? It's immediately this trigger of like, wait a minute, he's going against my identity. You know, mm -hmm. he's, a, he, he's against women and I'm going to let him know I, I'm a woman. I'm for women. There's no like, hey, I wonder why he thinks that or I agree with that or mm -hmm. I disagree. There's no conversation to be had when you have this tribal mentality. Oh, by the way, I haven't even said I meant to say this at the beginning, but um, I listened to your Hope EP and I really like it. Like your music Thank is. Thank you. The, the word that just struck me was passionate. Thank it's you very, so much. It's very, it's very deeply passionate. So I meant to actually say that like really early on, but we jumped straight into like all this interesting stuff and I completely forgot. So that's oh, thank awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm so, a fan of yours as well. <laughs> thank you very much. Do you know where you would like it to get to ideally? Ideally, um, I would like to empower people that are in pain um, okay. to not embrace a victim mentality that I feel like is something that we're taught to embrace as a, as a society, as a form of identity. Mm -hmm. And it's very disempowering. What, what I discovered was so empowering to me is to take control of my depression, my mentality, my holistic treatment um, was a big turning point for me. And so I hope that, you know, when people listen to it, it'll expand their consciousness and, and, and help them not be afraid to feel emotions, to, to yeah. work through the pain. Cause you have to feel it, feel again, you know, we're so we're, we numb ourselves to avoid feeling it. And it's part of that process. And we have, we, we have a culture fearing pain and discomfort mm -hmm. instead of embracing it. Like it's a, it's a teacher or a friend that's here okay. to teach us something and help us evolve. So that's, that's what I hope I can, you know, do with my music is inspire and empower the individual, not women, not children, not men, the individual. Yeah. When you say consciousness, when you say raising consciousness, mm -hmm. is that, is that what, exactly what you mean by it? It's an, I noticed it's a word yeah. that you use a lot. Yeah. Consciousness. Yeah. Well, because I'm, I'm so fascinated with the role that 
you know, our consciousness has in our perception of reality and our experience here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned so much about how the brain works. And so if we can activate our individual consciousness, we start observing the world in a different way instead of through the lens of our personal belief systems and experiences that have been indoctrinated into us, either mm-hmm. consciously or, or unconsciously growing up. A lot of our limiting beliefs we have about ourselves weren't ours to begin with. It's sometimes I wonder, especially when I'm hanging out with children, say my, my nieces and nephews or whatever, or I'm having conversations with them. Yeah. And it's really funny talking to kids, you know, especially like between, I don't know, three and five or something, because they've got the innocence, obviously. But in a weird way, I feel like they're they're like naturally not smarter, but they're wired in a way that is different to adults because they haven't yet had the world hasn't hit them with certain things. Yes. Their school hasn't put certain ideas in their head. The media hasn't right. put that. I feel like there's two aspects to socialization. Like one of them is very positive. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to be like feral, wild, violent creatures mm-hmm. um, with just living off of impulse. Right. But there's also kind of a degree of over socialization where people are so keen to just fit in mm-hmm. and comply, comply, comply not Mm -hmm. question anything, Mm -hmm. just go with the flow, go with the Mm -hmm. narrative, do exactly what everybody else does. I mean, I'd say 95% of the time doing what everybody else does is probably a decent, a decent way to go, right? Like, you know, like when it comes to, when it comes to most things, you don't want to start making up your own laws and whatnot, but there's also that element of just being, being yourself, not having Mm -hmm. these limited beliefs because these children don't have these limiting beliefs. You talk to a kid, oh, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'll just say whatever, whatever they literally want to be. They're not going to be like, I'm not good enough at this, or I've heard that someone like me can't do that or whatever, which is, which I'm just like, yeah, like, you know, sometimes you'll talk to adults, you know, oftentimes people older than myself and there are just so many limiting beliefs and you like you have to go through this whole process of removing those or mm-hmm. attempting to at least recognizing them yeah. and then almost like reprogramming so it's kind of like you start yes. out you start out deprogrammed the program is written in and then you need to deprogram again yeah. to break free and most people probably never actually do i think a lot of people feel like they want to do something. I don't know. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to be a rapper. I want to be a singer. I want to dance. I right. want to start a business. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, but this, but yes. that, oh, but this, but, this, yes. but that. And it's kind of like, yeah. especially in this day and age, you know, it's so easy mm-hmm. to get something started. It's mm-hmm. so easy to get something started that it's like, okay, yeah. you know what? It might, it might not, it might not work in the long run, but right. why not? I mean, if you're not going to, put yourself out on the street or burn mm-hmm. your entire life savings on this thing. Like what's the harm in starting a YouTube channel? Like just, right. just do it. Right. It costs right. nothing. Yeah, You're exactly. Bored. And we don't deal in extremes. You know, if there's no, like, I want to work towards this. So one hour a day, I'm going to read, yeah. you know, it's like, no, I can't, I don't have time to read. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Really? You don't have time. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. I, I agree with you. I love that you see the same, you know, light that I see in, in kids. And if there's anybody that I look to, you know, like, in life as a guide, it's mm. children. They're, they're a reminder of what we are, which is just yeah. pure light consciousness. And, and they don't need anything to be happy. They're happy digging in, in dirt with a stick. They're the only mm. beings that can truly be present. Mm. You know, we're adults. We can't even be with ourselves for five seconds without picking up a phone or our mind getting a monkeying around. And <laughs> yeah, they're just, it's just beautiful to watch them. I really believe they're, they're closer to that that pure consciousness that we're from where we came from where we all came. And so getting to witness them, you know, in that aspect is really amazing and helps center me. At least watching my kids do that really helps them, helps me a lot. Awakened me for sure. That's awesome. Uh, How many kids do you have? I have three. Girl, girl, boy, girl. Yeah. I got a 10, almost six and two. Awesome. I'm very curious just personally because uh, sure. I'm not a, I don't, I don't have any kids myself, you know, like I said, I got lots of nieces and nephews, but um, how did that phase in your life change the way you 
perceive things or the way you act or anything like that. I'm always curious how people mm -hmm. go from being yourself as an individual or mm -hmm. you know, couple or whatever to, wow, there's a life that I've created here that I'm now responsible for. Like, I think it's, it, yeah. it fascinates me in a way. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, it definitely was my awakening. Um, having, having children and, and feeling this immense sense of responsibility to not mess them up, <laughs> mm. you know, and, and part of that was awakening my own, you know, demons and my own shadow work that I had to do to not, you know, not have project that onto them and their experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, every little thing, cause that's how we get our belief system is hearing, hearing mom and dad argue about money. You start okay. taking on this belief that money's hard to get. Yeah. you know, or whatever it is, or, um, every idea about life we get from whoever brought us up or whoever we're, our, whatever our environment is. And so I want to make sure that, you know, what they hear from me isn't I'm depressed or mom's sad. I'm going to go, go back to my room, you know, which is what I experienced postpartum after my first child. And okay. when, when my daughter was born, my, that's when my depression, like was the worst it's ever been in my entire life. You know, depression for me, the way I look at it now at, at the time, because depression is so real. I don't know if you've experienced it or not, but it's real. I, I wrote a song and the lyrics were like, it's real with a million dollars in your pocket on a sunny day with, you know, thousands of followers and friends. It's real. Mm. And it's so real that it, it can make you want to leave this planet mm. with all of those things. And um, for me, it was now I see it as like the greatest gift that ever happened because it was it was a call for me to go inward. And unmask that authentic self that was truly me, not this like false avatar of what I thought I was supposed to be in this world. Mm. So it was just, it was just such a long process. Um, but it, it just got better and easier as I became more empowered and less of a victim. You yeah. know, when we, when we get diagnosed with depression, we're told you have a problem, you mm. know, now you go, here's some medicine for the problem. And now you have more problems. Let's take more medicine for this, these problems. It's so disempowering. And, and so anyway, sorry, I'm getting off a tangent about No, depression. no, it's it's um, it's fine. I think it's <laughs> it's no, it's it's curious because um I have zero experience with it and yeah. my personality type very much my neuroticism score is like bottom 2% of the entire population, which means that wow. I'm essentially immune to it. So That's again great. from again from an empathy perspective though, I'm mm -hmm. curious to understand you know, when, when someone talks about depression, mm -hmm. I'm never really sure. Like, I just try to listen. I just try mm -hmm. to listen to the different perspectives because I don't have like a personal thing that I can, honestly, I, I can't directly mm -hmm. relate to it per se. So many different perspectives because you've got, you know, the idea of it being a, a disease or a condition or, a, mm -hmm. or, you know, like, I don't, I don't even know exactly. Like, yeah. I, I, I know what it is, but I don't. Does that yeah. kind of make sense? Because Totally. Yeah. And, and there's so much information and spins on what it is. For me, yeah. it's a symptom. It's not okay. a disease. And uh, it's a symptom of healing, basically, that needs to be done um, with okay. trauma because trauma doesn't have to have a hold of you. It's not a life sentence for the rest of your life because oh. something bad happened to you. Something bad has happened to all of us at mm -hmm. some point in our life or we're not really living. It's just so disempowering to, to feel yeah. like a victim and that I need, I need this medicine or I can't be happy. You know, I, yeah. and I know this because I've been there, you know, I'm not saying this like to somebody who's on medication or, or telling anybody to get off it or anything like that. I'm saying there's another way. And yeah. um, I know because I've taken every route out of desperation to get out of this place. Okay. So, uh, but what my kids did for me was, was expedite that, that the importance of that journey. Ultimately, whatever I tell them to be is nothing. It's about who, what I am, you okay. know, it, that's who they're, they're going to watch how I am, not what I say to do or how I say to be, they're going to emulate and copy me. And they are, you know, my, my daughter's a mirror, yeah. a mirror to me. And so when, whenever I see behavior in her, I don't like, that's about me. Okay. She's mirroring back to me things that, that I'm, I'm unconsciously, obviously, because I try to be a great mom. Of course. Um, but something as simple as trying to hide that I'm having a bad day is, is harmful. It's, okay. it's not giving her permission to have a bad day or, or to have to, to feel emotions and to okay. navigate through them and say, it's okay. It's okay to feel like bad sometimes and to say, huh, I wonder what that's about. I'm going to go give myself some self-love right now. I love conversations like this because I'm always 
people say learn something new every day, but I'm like, I, I like really take that. To, <laughs> I like really take that to heart. I'm one of those people who like not every day, like every couple hours. Me I want to be oh. yeah. every every couple hours. I'm like, OK, I got to be I've got to be smarter. I've got to be I've got to understand the way I work. Other people work and the world works a little bit yeah. better mm -hmm. and just try to I mean, you can never completely understand everybody else and all the different phenomena. Human beings are the most complicated thing yeah. that exists as, as far as I'm as far as as far as I care, not even like mm -hmm. animals, not even machine, like like human beings are the most complicated, complex thing, organism, machine, whatever. Like there's so much stuff that goes on yeah. in the world as a, with us as individuals, let alone as a group, let mm -hmm. alone as like a nation that are just so complex and it's it's very clear that absolutely nobody understands it right, right. <laughs> like, like right. You, pe people try to but it's like nobody really gets how this whole thing works i mean if you did you'd just be able to like end crime you just okay why do people commit crime oh it's that so boom we, we finish right. that you know yeah. oh why why do people mistreat each other oh okay oh it's that okay boom we fixed it mm -hmm. but it's just the fact like people have ideas but i probably know how i work better mm -hmm. than the average person because I've read books on the topic. Yeah. But like, I don't know how I don't know how I work exactly. I don't know why I do what I do, why I right. think how I think, like where my random ideas come from. I'm sure you get it as an artist. Oh, where do you where do your songs come from? Where does your inspiration come from? And it's like, <laughs> mm, uh, you know what I mean? Like you kind of just live. Totally. Yes. You, you sit down and ah, it's a song. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's definitely different world for sure my husband's a director yeah and sometimes I'm, I'm like i don't know how i don't understand that world at all how yeah. he does what he does <laughs> and he doesn't understand my world either so yeah, <laughs> we yeah. help each other that's awesome yeah how did you how did you guys that's uh robbie yeah yeah robbie Starbuck. Awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've chatted to him a few times on twitter as well i'm sure we'll get him on the podcast maybe in the future if he's up for it yeah definitely um yeah. we met we met he did my first music video oh cool yeah, so that's how we met, and it was not love at first sight. It was actually like bumping r rams, you know. Oh, really? At first sight. <laughs> that's funny. It was funny because at the time he had like an immense ego, and he met me, and I was like, not gonna let you know him tell me what to do or any of that. And he told me to wear this particular thing, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> so he was like, "What is going on here?" It was really funny because there was this like tension, right? That like it, it was a this palpable tension. I think everybody felt it that was around us at the time. And I don't know how it turned into some sort of bow chica wow wow moment or what, but <laughs> we just like looked at each other and we're like, like, what's going on here? Like, what the heck is going on here? And then Marvin Gaye starts playing, you know? No, oh, wow. <laughs> it's just like it just like it, something changed, something sparked inside of us, and then. Yeah. And then we were attracted to each other and, and he came over uh, that night and I made him sleep on the couch <laughs> and he was again like, what's going on with this girl? Yeah. I thought she was into me. And, you know, it, it, was just, it just played out like a bumpy road from there. But, you know, it ultimately three months later, we got married. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And actually, yeah. yesterday was our 11 year anniversary. Congratulations. Well, that's <laughs> thank awesome. You. No, that's, yeah, thank wow. you. Why, why waste time? Why waste time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, at the time we were both, you know, young artists and yeah. we're just, you know, ready to dive in. And I wouldn't recommend that, you know, to my kids just because I don't think that's wise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for us, it was just a, a soul connection that we're like, Yes, this is this is it. And I just knew it. So I dove in. That is dope. <laughs> so I don't want to um I feel like we're on like a really a really happy zone right now. So I don't wanna I don't wanna take too much of a, a negative turn, but one thing I did want to talk about on this podcast is some of the issues that you would like to raise public awareness and consciousness about. I know with your single hope. You mm -hmm. are donating some of the proceeds of that to what's what's the name of the charity again? A twenty one. It's A twenty one. Yeah, anti trafficking um, organization, and I'm actually one hundred percent of the single sales go to them. There's several that are really great, um, but I'm I'm really passionate about transparency, and I want people to feel like every single 
scent is going somewhere positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these nonprofits don't do what they say they're going to do. And that doesn't actually go towards fully helping rehabilitate and restore people's lives and help uh, the problem of, of stopping it to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah, trafficking is a, is a huge uh, passion of mine, anti-trafficking. And um, I, I know I know what you meant, yeah. Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, oh my God. T- t- take that snippet and you know. Yes, edit that. Just, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that that in the massaging, please. Oh. So I'm constantly educating myself on because the numbers change, the stats change, but unfortunately, it's not going in the direction we'd like. The awareness is, you know, we're creating an awareness, which is wonderful. But there's a lot of work to be done um, on identifying certain behaviors. Um, And I'm going in deep with that right now. I'm doing an online course through Stanford so that I can better educate um, through my platform of things to look for just, you know, on a street level. And, you know, just contributing to these organizations that are actively helping victims. And I I will say, like, not to get political because I'm not a MAGA person, but I'm very grateful that this administration is doing so much to combat this issue. So. I really think that, you know, you got to give credit where it's due so, to encourage that to keep happening. Um, and so there's been a lot of children that have been rescued from this. So I, I just want to see more of that happen. Talking about trafficking is triggering for a lot of people. And they yeah. want to they want to not talk about it because it's an and you don't talk about it at parties. You don't talk about it at lunch and coffee. It, there's not a place. There's not a place where it's safe or, or really appropriate, it seems like, to bring up such a topic. People sure. are afraid, uncomfortable by it. It's really uncomfortable. It really is. And, but it's a necessary conversation to have. And I think that people don't know who to talk to what, and what to say about right. it. I think that's the first step is kind of realizing that um, we're not doing anybody a service helping these kids and, and you know, by not, by not talking about it. Yeah. And that we have to normalize talking about these issues that are really important and, and especially to, to children who depend on us like not only for survival, but to be rescued from these atrocious situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is what, that's the most important thing is, is starting that conversation about it and really understanding where it's happening and how big of a problem it is and why it's happening. And mm-hmm. is it fueled, you know, some areas it's fueled by gangs. Um, you know, for instance, here, uh, the border is a big issue. Not having a border is allowing 16,000 children to come in. Um, to be trafficked. And you have people here that are upset that children and families are being separated. But mm-hmm. the problem is, if you don't separate them, they're going into the arms of the traffickers on their merry way. Yeah. And um, it's a complex situation. There's not, it's, there's not a simple answer, but we have to talk about these issues. Um, and for me, I, I, I feel like not having a boundary and a way to vet who's bringing children in, why they're mm-hmm. bringing children in, and getting them the, the medical care they need immediately, you know, all of those issues uh, are a way to stop it in its tracks that are not happening. And so we, we need to have a conversation about that. I, I feel like this is actually an issue that both sides, if you want right. to say that, like everybody right. should be able to unite on how people think the best way to combat it right. may differ, right? Some people right. may want right. a physical barrier. Some people may mm-hmm. think, no, we want to do something else instead. But I think if the focus mm-hmm. were put on that particular issue, did you say 16,000 mm-hmm. kids a year? Yes, yes. I mean, that's not a small number. That's no, it's like not. a lot every single day. In terms of practical tips for someone who's mm-hmm. literally listening to this right now, I mean, sure. what are the things that people can look out for? And if mm-hmm. they do pick up on this or they have a concern, what's the, what's the best next step? Anti-trafficking hotlines um, that you can look up, you can call the local local ones because that'll probably be the first to be able to respond, to send somebody to respond right away. But in general, uh, like, what was it? it? It was in the UK, that train ride that somebody made a phone call and they were able to pull like 20 kids off of this train. I wasn't even aware of that, to be honest. Gosh, yeah. I'm going to pull that story because um, that was really amazing. The power of one individual just to sense there wasn't anything that necessarily stood out other than maybe the kids not smiling, talking, mm. interacting, um, not behaving like the light that is in children, all child's, children's yeah. eyes, right? Um, but we wouldn't notice if we're not paying attention to other human beings. We're not getting off our phone every once in a while, making the effort to connect and look somebody in the eye and say, I see you. You yeah. matter. 
So that, that is how those children were saved was just by somebody paying attention, looking up from their phone, so realizing this is not, these so I mean, children are not behaving like normal children. I feel like we could talk forever. I but, know. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we'll have to do an, We'll have to do another one in the future. Before we wrap this up, how can people find you and how can people listen to your music as well? All right. Yeah, I'm iMatriarch um, on Twitter and my website is matriarchsongs.com and you can find all my links there for whatever um, musical uh, medium you, you play your, your music on. I'm on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music. So yeah, please find me there and I'm excited to release some new uh, songs soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Landon. I wish you all the best with everything. Thank you, Zuby. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.